What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, a recap of a stupid day in sports where the favorites go bananas, starting with a tough loss for us jazz bettors, and why you need to change your mindset from sports fan to sports better in the case of Kristaps Porzingis. Then it's not all doom and gloom on the ice as we underline the importance of bankroll management, which includes an example from an even Stephen day on the diamond. Then it's friend of the show, Ted Ballantyne, joining to look ahead at Tuesday's action on the court in the bubble. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. We'll get to Tuesdays with Ted in a little bit here. But beforehand, we got a few things that we got to talk about here. And the first one is a sort of historical, statistical anomaly uh, across the board in sports yesterday, where we had 20 and 1, the record for favorites yesterday across baseball, basketball, and hockey, that's usually not going to work out all that well for us, right? If you're listening to the podcast and you have been for a while, you know that I have a penchant for taking the points, for getting some plus money, and, you know, letting sports be sports and be unpredictable. Well, you know, 20 and 1 is pretty unpredictable, but that being said, individually, betting the favorite and having a favorite cash isn't all that unpredictable. And so to a level of 20 and one is really kind of unbelievable. St. Louis beating Chicago in the first of uh, uh, you know the seven inning double header scenario was the only underdog to get there. And of course, Chicago then later on in the day got there as the favorite as well. So even the favorite that lost ended up winning a game on the day. We probably should have known some of that was in the offing when we started our day with what is, uh, I would say, a medium-sized bad beat. You know, maybe a little bit less than medium-sized. Denver plus four and a half starts our NBA playoffs in a way that, you know, we hoped, well, we wouldn't see. And so that goes to overtime. And of course, once it goes to overtime, you know, two things. One, that we've made a good bet on the underdog, right? Especially more points, the better. And the second thing that we know is that it's probably going to die on the vine right there. And, you know, everybody could kind of see it coming, especially, you know, we have one play in the entire game where we're cheering for Denver to do something. Um, which isn't really true because we had the over as well. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, we just want Jokic to make the layup at the end to take the lead and win the game and pack it in and have plus four and a half get there. And he doesn't make the layup. Of course, we go to overtime. We know what happens at that point. Uh, Talked about how that game might even go to overtime on Monday. And we talked about it in the context of having the over in that game and of course you know we didn't even need the overtime so sort of a double kick in the pants when you're looking at this going like wow we got over the 22 the 214 and a half uh got over that easily in regulation and so there was no reason at all for us to want to go to overtime even though we thought going in that it, overtime would sort of help us out it did not. So we end up splitting on two bets that were both very good bets, right? So it sucks. You go 2-0 and from a handicapping standpoint, but 1-1 one one on your record. You move on to the next game, and this one was not a good bet 
full ad- admission, Brooklyn plus 10 never really had a chance. There was a minor flirtation when Brooklyn got it to nine points at the end of the third quarter. But you know that, you know, the better team is you know going to maybe have a letdown, especially when they're up by a billion in the second quarter. You know, and that's fine. But, you know, once it gets sort of down to even sort of, you know, single digits or anywhere near a close game, that the better team's going to push back, right? It's not just going to continue to happen for a full another quarter. And so, you know, Brooklyn would have needed, in my opinion, I always kind of go like, if the underdog is going to make a run at a team, having been sort of blown out early, they need to come all the way back to take the lead, right? To get that extra push to actually have a competitive last segment of the game, right? Whether it's college basketball in the last five minutes or some, you know, NBA with the fourth quarter, nine wasn't going to do it, uh, especially with that quarter break as well, right? So that gives the Raptors time to kind of think about it and go, okay, guys, we need to sort of tighten it up here. So that was a real drag. Uh, as far as maybe a bet that, you know, again, this is debatable and we're on the side of the winning side, so it's not going to, you know, we're not going to be- debate it, but the Clippers and the Mavericks under t- 229 and a half, that gets there just barely. And for all the world in the first half, looked like it was dead in the water the entire time if you had the over i can understand your frustration you are way over in that first half but if we were only handicapping halves and we're only having handicapping 24 minute segments then just bet the first half right that would have cashed you wouldn't be able to sit with your feet up for the rest of the game and the idea with an under or with an over for anything is that at some point there is going to be a significant run of either scoring or a drought and you have to give the game full 48 minutes for that to happen and so they got their scoring surge in the first and second quarters but a 37 point third quarter which was just kind of unbelievable that it even happened because to be honest with you i hadn't even really you know kind of stopped paying attention it was on the second tv but like you know i'm not doing any sort of math and we talked about the sports act uh the action network app and how you can track your bets. And one of the best things they do is they've got, you know, a sort of percentage tracker for total bets. And so that you don't have to do the math, right? Because the old days, you, you'd you have to figure out, okay, how much time's left in this game? You're doing that whole thing. How many points do we have? Multiple by three. Okay, all right. Is, am I on pace? Am I not on pace? You know, we've dumbed it down, right? Just look at the app. It'll tell you, you have a 63% chance of winning. You have a 52% chance of winning and so on and so forth. And so we went from a really low percent chance of winning that bet to a very good percent chance. And then, of course, late in the game, it came down to one shot, as these things somehow often do. And Hardaway misses a three-pointer, and we get there by a little bit. But the more interesting thing to talk about with regards to this game is the dichotomy between being a fan and getting caught up in fan stuff when watching the game or being a sports better and ignoring the fan stuff and getting into it from a sports betting standpoint and going, okay, for example, Kristaps Porzingis gets thrown out of the game, second technical, super soft call, right? What do you do? Do you go online and start complaining about how you know bad the referees are? Um, you know, we all start screaming into the wind, so to speak, here, and nothing's going to change, but we all can kind of jump on, you know, the refereeing and that whole concept, right? And I could sit and talk about how you know referees are no longer are, are not referees anymore, right? They're not refereeing the game as a whole, the the context of all of the game they're just making calls they're call makers who make calls and then add them all up at the end and then that's sort of 
you know how the game goes right and it's like oh you have you that's a technical that is a technical those are two technicals you are now ejected right like there's no context anymore and so while i'm complaining about that while i just did that little rant right now an opportunity was just lost where if i had sort of saved all of that for later i can hop online and grab an in-play number because i can promise you when Christoph porzingis goes out there isn't one person going hey i should really bet on the dallas mavericks right now right? They're thinking the few people who are on top of this sort of thing are thinking, I'm going to bet on the Clippers, which means that Clippers number is going to move and it's going to move quick. So they were down two points when this happened. And so, you know, a six and a half, seven point favorite going in mid third quarter, they're down two points. The point spread should be at about two, two and a half, three points, sort of depending on how, you know, the game is going. Well, taking out the underdog's second best player is going to affect that a lot more drastically than the computer algorithm is factoring in. So at that point, somebody in the odds maker, you know, one of two things is going to happen. An odds maker is going to have to make that adjustment on the fly on his own. So at that point, we're in in a race with that guy before he can change the algorithm to change the number. Or two, a bunch of people are going to come on and bet it, and that's going to change the number, right? Everybody's going to bet the Clippers, nobody's going to bet the Mavericks, and the number's going to move up. So we're in a race with two separate entities to get the best possible number that we possibly can. And so we need to know what a good number is at that point in time. And so I hop on there, and it's minus 210. So I grabbed minus 210 because I know that works out to a better than two-thirds probability chance of something happening and i think it was a greater chance than two-thirds that the clippers win that game outright now you can talk about point spread it was two and a half when i first looked at it moved to three and a half and then sort of moved pretty quickly after that and i wasn't you know it's the nba i don't really want to deal with last second three pointers these guys are all really good shooters you know it's a six point game late and they're shooting up a meaningless three and again I don't really want to worry about that going in when no one on the court is worried about that going in, right? And I've already got enough invested in the total and having it might having to come down to that, and it did. I don't want to have to really deal with that from a in-game point spread standpoint. So I'd much rather take the money line, right? Because the question is, yes or no, Do are the Clippers going to win, yes or no, right? No, by how much? No, did they cover, blah, 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 blah. I'm just looking to find out if they end up doing that. So... You know, six point game, eight point game late. I'm not having, I'm not wanting to deal with, you know, free throws and three pointers and stuff like that. So I'm grabbing the minus 210 because that's a good number for me because I think it's a closer to 80% chance that the Clippers come back and win this game when, you know, Doncic was having, you know, he had a good game, but at the same time, he had a lot of turnovers. So a bit of a rough go of it from him from a sort of ball security standpoint. And not having that second main guy to go to was going to be an issue for the fourth quarter. So, you know, all that's hindsight 2020. The point is, is all of this stuff is happening so quickly. I could go and I could tweet that out. But it's going to be useless to you because, you know, even if you catch it one second after I send it, by the time you even still switch apps, go to your you know sports book and look at the odds, it's already going to be gone, right? Because it's just a 30 second to a minute type of a thing. But what we're trying to do here with this podcast is make people aware, ready to fire, and you know, you know, giving you the knowledge and sort of the way to think about these sorts of things so that you can do it on your own, so that we can come back the next day and go, you know, while everybody was complaining about the Porzingis uh, ejection, we all, 
we all bet the Clippers, right? And everybody goes, yeah, I did, because, you know, I'm now trained to do that. And so that's kind of the hope of what we're doing here with this podcast. So uh, long story short, probably deserve better than we did on the day uh, from podcast standpoint and the podcast picks down a half unit on that Sixers money line. Haven't talked about that. Not a ton to talk about other than like, I feel like I had that relatively pegged, right? I said, you know, the, the Celtics are probably going to cover um I liked it at five and a half. It moved to six and a half. It might have even got to seven some places, at least for a bit. But the point was that if the Sixers were going to cover, I thought that they might, you know, they would just as likely win the game outright. That it would be the type of thing that they just were better and Bede had a big game and it was a comfortable win. Now, it was never really close to being a comfortable win. It was, however, a really competitive game that the Sixers had a lead for, you know, much of the third or fourth quarter. And when you're looking at that, you know, watching that game and you're going, I got plus 250, plus 260 on this team, you know, plus 230 was sort of, you know, the lowest you were even really going to get kind of by the time it it closed. And you're looking at that going, hey, I got a real chance here, right? This game could go either way. Now, it happened that Boston pulled away, and maybe that's the difference in this series, right? The last five minutes of games and the coaching disparity between these two teams, that could very well be the issue, right? That's going to determine, in the end, these different games. And then, of course, Boston closes it out in such a way that they end up covering the spread. So in a way, I go, I wish I just grabbed that five and a half right away and sort of didn't rethink things. But at the same time, looking back, Getting plus 230 to 40 on a team that had the lead in the fourth quarter isn't the end of the world either. And again, not a full unit. So, you know, if that's the difference maker over the course of a day where we had been two and two, other than that, from a podcast standpoint, three and two if you factor in the live betting, but, you know, two and two from a podcast standpoint where, you know, three of the games, three of the four were actually probably, you know, really good bets. Um, I mean, you could make the case that we've got, we got lucky with the under in the Clipper game and unlucky, uh, with the plus four and a half with Denver, <clears throat> excuse me, with Utah and, uh, and, you know, and you could be right, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue that. Uh, as for the games for Tuesday, four new series get started. Uh, and that's super exciting, of course. And so we start with Milwaukee and Orlando, which isn't necessarily the definition of exciting. Uh, I'm going to make a play under 225 in this game. I think the Bucks, you know, this is, you know, the old saying is defense travels. Obviously, nobody's traveling here, but at the very least, I expect the Bucks to have a good defensive effort as they sort of have their full team here for the first time in about a week. Um, you know. Obviously, the Magic are outclassed here, and that's indicated in the 13-point spread. Uh, I'm not going to lay the 13 here, but I certainly don't necessarily want to bet on the Magic. Uh, so in that case, I expect you know the Bucks to hold the Magic down a little bit, and maybe if the Bucks themselves are a little more rusty offensively than, say, the Raptors were yesterday, then, you know, 225 should be good to get underneath that. You know, obviously not having, worrying all that much about overtime and really not that worried about a sort of free throw contest down the stretch either. So uh, under 225 works for me there. Uh, I'm going with the Pacers plus four and a half. I don't love it, um, but I think I will kick myself if I don't and they end up covering or even potentially winning this game outright. I think the market's still really low on the Pacers, 
and maybe that's rightfully so. Again, we still haven't really seen the full squad. Obviously, you know, they never, they're not getting Sabonis back at any point in time here, I don't think. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. It's going to be a small bet for me at plus four and a half. Um, bigger bet, better bet for me is OKC minus one and a half. I think that's the team that we're going to be on pretty much every game here. If the sort of best case scenario for the Rockets is that there were, uh, or I should say for the Thunder, is that they're one and a half point favorites. You know, when Westbrook comes back, obviously they'll probably go back to being underdogs since they're underdogs for the series. So for me, I'm just going to keep betting the Thunder here and kind of hope for the best, right? And if the Thunder win convincingly, maybe the line gets bumped up for the next game, two and a half, three and a half, something like that, and then maybe we'll have to reevaluate. But as long as this thing is around minus one, one and a half, certainly worth a play for me. Uh, if you want to be a little bit safer, minus 125 on the money line is not terrible. Yeah, I'd rather, you know, I'd, I'd prefer it being like minus 120 is certainly a th- that I would say would be a real bet to make versus the minus one and a half but of course they know that and that's why the money line is minus 125 and then the nightcap portland and the lakers going to talk about that a ton with ted here coming up but um you know for me i'm going to take the over 233 it's actually moving up the more i talk about it it's gone from 232 to 233 and the reality is lakers are going to score a ton against the trailblazers and i think the blazers probably score a ton against the lakers as well and they're going to have to to be able to keep up with the Lakers here. Um, I'm not going to take the six and a half with the Blazers because I think there's just a general overvaluing here of the Blazers. And I'm not going to give the six and a half, you know, with the Lakers because it was four and a half at one point And I'm loath to get the worst of the number. And so this is sort of a tacit acknowledgement that this game might be close at the end. And I just rather seal the deal with an over with a minute or so to go, then have to toggle back and forth, worrying about free throws and late shots uh, going in or not going in uh, when it comes to taking the plus six and a half, for instance, with the Blazers. Plus, of course, you know, say it's really close and it goes to overtime, we get that kind of backup plan as well. And so you go 233 is a really high number, but the reality is it's only eight points more than the Bucks and the Magic. And the Magic aren't nearly the offense. Neither of these teams really are the offensive team that these other two are. And the Bucks certainly are a much better defensive team than both Portland and L.A. And so when you sort of compare it to that, it sort of makes 233 feel a lot lower than it actually is. So that's the story for the NBA. And again, we'll get deeper into that with Ted in a minute here, but we do have to talk about the NHL. And we've got some interesting stuff to talk about, even though, right, like wasn't a great day. Not a great day. Probably our worst day, actually, from a Stanley Cup playoff standpoint. And that's really just a testament to how well we've done up until this point where you can kind of have one of these disappointing days. That really wasn't a disaster by any means because only really had a play on one game and the other three games were sort of you know implicit losses or you know sort of theoretical losses because nobody got eliminated necessarily they just got awfully close to it and let's talk about the Tampa Bay Columbus series again this is sort of the most interesting series that I have the least invested in in that before the series started Columbus the hot team hot upset pick the block super hot and you know, plus 190 looked really, really attractive. And I was the one sort of saying, hang on, guys. (laughs) The numbers should be kind of closer to about 
200, 209 was my toggle number, right? Minus 209 for Tampa Bay, plus 209 for Columbus. And when you factor in juice to either side, this number is pretty much bang on from a sports book standpoint. So steer clear of that. And maybe we can get some value with Tampa Bay at some point. That hasn't necessarily been the case. Um, and then if you're really hot on Columbus and you need to get down on them, then we'll sort of look at it as games go by here. And we got in on them after, you know, one nothing, and in on them again after two to one and to a much lesser investment level, right? Sort of a two thirds uh, or less unit investment and then sort of steered clear from a game to game standpoint. And if you had just randomly bet Columbus game to game, right? You'd be down three units and then plus a unit and a half. So you'd be down a unit and a half. So we avoided all of that. We avoided, you know, going full unit on Columbus. So you could make the case, right, from a plus minus ledger standpoint, then we are ahead of the game, right? I realize that's creative accounting, but that's sort of how some of this works sometimes when you go, okay, I'm hoping to win five out of these th eight series and the three that I'd get quote unquote wrong, you know, it'll be smaller investments that sort of only really equal one of the wins, right? So if we can take one of our one win here and, you know, make up for three losses, that would be great. And so, you know, Tampa and Columbus really closely played from a goal standpoint because it's really been a quite a, you know, an under type series, right? We have, I think, one overtime game. Every other game has been a one gold game. So again, can't really beat yourself up if you did bet that plus 190 before the series. It's just, you, ha you know, in theory, the bounces haven't gone your way. But when you look deeper into the statistics of it and the high danger stuff and the expected goals for and against, Tampa Bay has had the run of play that we would have expected going into this series given their odds right nothing has sort of changed from that standpoint so unfortunately columbus you know they don't get screwed because that goal was offside but it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they did get credit for that first goal um and you know going up one nothing what would have happened from there so that's kind of a bummer from their standpoint and just from a fan standpoint you know would have been interesting to see right we wouldn't have known otherwise you know, if they had counted that goal, we wouldn't have known that in the sort of, again, sliding doors alternative universe that Tampa Bay would have won that game, you know, otherwise. So whatever, again, not beating ourselves up about that. Similar sort of deal, again, with the Arizona series. Talked about it in length, kind of expecting Colorado to win this game. It's why we didn't bet Arizona, even at plus 180 that was available, because, you know, we've seen enough here from Colorado from a sort of possession standpoint that they're the much better team. Now, the interesting thing was on a numbers game with Gil Alexander, he had a guest on who's a hockey handicapper, and it seems like he's doing stuff a lot of the same that I'm doing, where he's looking at high danger chances and expected goals for and against and five on five stuff. And he made the point that as much as the shot discrepancy and possession discrepancy was big over the course of the first three games, the actual high danger chances were very similar in that it was like 24-23 uh, between Colorado and Arizona. And that's very close to what my numbers made from you know a game to game standpoint. My numbers cranked out that Colorado would get at about a 51% rate. And that's what essentially what the numbers were for the first what three games of the series now game four comes out and you know Colorado gets a pretty fortunate goal one of the three in the first period but the point is they got three goals and from there the wheels sort of came off 
uh, you know, you had a goalie change and a rusty goalie coming in, and he gives up three goals in the third period, and it's just, you know, becomes a seven to one game. There's fighting going on, it's all kinds of chaos. Point is, we talked about it yesterday, right? We got our win in game three to, you know, negate a lot of our losses from games one and two. And, you know, because we're on, you know, low investment with Arizona, we're only in for about a unit and a quarter. You know, overall, we're going to probably lose this series at about a unit and three quarters, right? So you factor unit three quarters there and, you know, two thirds of a unit in the next series, right? That's slightly over two units for two series. Not the end of the world. If we get some of these other series to go, right your dallas is your vancouver which we'll get to a sec you know in a second here montreal it's like we got it you do at some point have to win some of these series right if we go oh and eight or one and seven in some of these bets right that's going to be a real big drag but right we talked about already the capitals and the islanders and again we'll talk about that almost not at all with regards to their game today but the point is is once the islanders close that out knock on wood hope they do we're up two and a half units on that series from grabbing game one and the series so right you're factoring columbus and and the tampa series and arizona series and we just talked about how it's just over two and uh, you know two units lost there well we're gonna net plus two and a half just on the Islanders series alone where we barely did anything, right? We just bar- we bet the series, we bet the first game, and that's it. And so, you know, that's one series win taking negating the two series losses. And now we've got five series left to play. And, you know, lo- let's sort of see what happens here with those five series, right? If we win three of them, we're going to be in really great shape to have another winning second round here. So um, one of them, obviously, that's in uh, <laughs> uh, extreme condition right here, heading to the intensive care unit. Carolina uh, just absolutely chokes against Boston. And another one that I didn't play yesterday because by the time it was time to make a bet on this game, the number had been steamed all the way down for Carolina, down to about even money, even minus 105. And talked about how, you know, this series is a, you know, the toggle number is 105, right? Minus 105 or plus 105. So anything better than plus 105 for Carolina is a bet, especially with Rask going out. And anything better than minus 105, though we'll never see it, it, for Boston is a bet on Boston, right? Because there's two sides to this coin. Now, obviously, Carolina has been the underdog for much of this series, right? We caught them at plus 128 uh, earlier in the series. And, you know, we've managed it around, you know, we've, we've bunted it around the course when it comes to Carolina pretty well. And so when that number you know, came down to even, it became a non-bet and a series bet that I was just looking to ride out um, the rest of the way. And of course, at 2 nothing in the third period, even if you made that bet at minus 105, right, that's a phenomenal bet. We talked about the different ways that you can measure your bets and whether they were good or bad. Well, one of them is if you're up 2 nothing in the third period and the live odds have changed to a point where Boston is like plus 3, plus 400, then you've made a really, really good bet, right? If your team is minus 500 to win the game at that point, which Carolina would have been, then you've made a really good bet. If they cash that two-on-one to go up three-nothing, this is probably a completely different conversation, right? Carolina's evened up the series, and now we're rolling into a best of three where Carolina's got a little quote-unquote momentum, even though that's a made-up term, and, you know, at least we've got plus money going the rest of the way. So the reality was that was the series. That third period was the series. We're 
you know, we're betting on sports here, right? We can't predict everything. The best we can do is put ourselves in the best opportunity to succeed and hope nothing wacky happens. And the reality was something wacky happened and Carolina blew that game. And that's just, it sucks, but there's a reason we didn't put our mortgage on the Carolina Hurricanes, right? So brutal, sucks, nothing else you can do about it, but I can't score the goals for them. You know, I probably could have converted that two-on-one, but and I certainly can't stop the puck. That, that's for sure. So there's nothing we can do, right? So you move on. Uh, and we move on to the St. Louis-Vancouver, and this is the one that was, of course, sort of most disappointing, both from a personal and professional standpoint. Um, but grabbing, you know, sort of a rogue plus 112 thought was a pretty good idea and will continue to do so the rest of this playoff. And, um, you know, obviously down a unit there in that game. And so we might be looking to add to the series price here because, again, I think this is a seven-game series, right? you got to sort of peg which of these series are going to go seven. And for me, St. Louis and Vancouver is certainly a, you know, potential. Philly and Montreal are certainly a potential. And if I had to add a third, Dallas and Calgary. Now, I think Dallas could very well win the next two games here, assuming Matthew Kachuk doesn't come back. But again, those are the three that are kind of, you know, look to be the ones that go seven. Now, we could get a surprise sort of comeback, force a game seven type of thing, you know, maybe from Columbus. They get a couple of breaks to go their way. I don't know. You know, we'll sort of see. Um, as far as the games are today on what day is it tuesday uh montreal plus 120 rogue plus 120 over at sports interaction jump all over that that's the best of the number that i've seen um again i think this you know game to game is just a complete coin toss and it just comes down to whether montreal can convert and some days they look like they are the worst converting team of all time and other days it looks a lot better than that and so we're going to look go with montreal here and stick with uh, everything else that we've done right we've added to the series price so whereas we've got a pretty good number there uh and then speaking of adding to the series price how about switching series price entirely is dallas and run don't walk to grab the minus 115 over at sports interaction if you have access to it that's the best number i've seen by far there everything else is minus 125 minus 131 even so uh minus 115 for dallas hoping you know again unfortunately for him hoping that kachuk is in fact out uh if he's not again we'll evaluate that and i'll make any sort of adjustment about that and publicize it on twitter at mrus authentic and uh, then it's Washington and New York. Again, really not going to say anything about that. We're just waiting for New York to win one of the next four games here, close out that series, cash our series price uh, on that, and you know get in the green from that standpoint. Then the Chicago and the Vegas series, which by and large from a betting standpoint has been kind of the most boring series. And then today happens. And what I mean by today is... Going into this game today, I wanted to see, all right, what would it take for me to bet on Vegas, right? Chicago, you know, was backs against the wall, you know, elimination game. And to be honest with you, they didn't even play that well uh, in game four. But Corey Crawford stood on his head, which was a little bit surprising because of how poorly he had sort of looked in the previous three games, right? And so... Do we expect that to happen a second straight time? I certainly don't, right? So I think, like many others, just about everybody, that Vegas wins tonight. That being said, what's the number that would make me want to lay that much juice? So I dug into sort of what the expected number should be based on the previous four games, right? It ceases to be now, you know, relevant 
the regular season, which of course happened five months ago, becomes less and less relevant as we go along here. And the teams that are playing and how they're playing now through the course of what, three or four games in this series and three or four to five games in the previous series. And so, you know, like we got to wait this a lot more than we do the regular season. And so we have to slowly sort of, you know, shift the weight to the recency. And so I'm like, okay, well, we've got four games here, which isn't a ton from a sample size standpoint if we were talking about goals or sort of wider stuff. But if we get into the nitty gritty and talk about, as we like to do, our expected goals for, our expected goals against, and our high danger chance percentage, then we can kind of figure out what's really going on in this series, right? Similar, you know, in a way to the Arizona-Colorado first three games where we found out that it still was about a 50-50 scoring chance type of a series. Well, it's the exact opposite in this one. And so I dug it up in the first four games, Vegas, five on five, expected goals for is 2.42, right? That makes a ton of sense. Chicago, 1.25. So obviously that goes to show that Vegas has been the much better team, which isn't exactly, you know, breaking news, rocket science for anybody here involved. But how, what does that mean from an odd standpoint, right? Well, it means that Vegas, of all the expected goals in the series so far, are expecting 65.9%. So let's say 66%, right? So around two thirds. And what does that mean from an odd standpoint? Well, the fair odds for that, right? If we're expecting them to get two thirds of the goals for any period of time, the expected number for that is minus 193. 65.9% equals minus 193. So right there, anything better than 193 is worth a bet anything worse than 193 or anything better on the chicago side than 193 plus 200 plus 210 something along those lines is worth a bet on chicago well, we're not getting that for chicago it's plus 167 to plus 175 we are getting that though with vegas not by a ton as we see a minus 192 over at bet 365 but a minus 190 at pinnacle so minus 190 is obviously not a ton of value relative to minus 193. I completely get that. So let's go a little bit deeper and see what else we've got, right? High danger chances. On average, Vegas, 11 and a half high danger chances per game. Chicago, five and a half. Do some quick math. And that's 67.6 in favor of Vegas. So that's even higher than the expected goals for expected goals against number right? And so now we're looking at something that's higher than 200. So it's starting to creep where there's more and more value on Vegas at minus 190, not at minus 208, but at minus 190. And here's the third thing, and it's a little bit, you know, less numbersy and more narrative, anecdotal, you know, conceptual. How many goals on the power play do you think Vegas has scored in this series? Close your eyes, try to picture Vegas scoring on the power play if you've watched the entire series. If you haven't, just the fact that they're up three to one, think about how many goals they must have possibly scored on the power play. Think about all the people telling you about how power play is so, you know, before a series start, you gotta watch out for this team's power play or that team's power play. The answer is zero. The Vegas Golden Knights have yet to score a power play goal against Chicago and have pretty comfortably, you know, comfortably won two games in the series and frankly, we're probably played their best game in a game that they lost two to one. 
In a game that they had from a high danger chance standpoint, they had 16 high danger chances against Corey Crawford, which tells you all you need to know about how good he was in game three, excuse me, game four. And, Vegas, and uh, Chicago only had three high danger chances in that game. And they scored two goals. Well, you know automatically that one of them wasn't a high danger chance. It was a sharp angle shot that uh, Robin Leonard headered into his own net. So that obviously doesn't even count as a high danger chance. And those are the sorts of unfactorable things that we can't really control here when we're trying to do anything predictive. And so what we can predict, though, is at some point Vegas is going to score a power play goal, right? Their power play, like any others, was about around 20%, right? So one in five chance. They're going to get four goals out of every 20 chances. Well, they have zero goals so far on you know getting upwards to close to 20 chances and so i know you know as a smaller sort of thing here i would expect to see vegas score a power play goal tonight again it's not you know all of these games are their individual result right it's like rolling a dice it's like playing roulette right just because 10 blacks in a row have come doesn't mean a red is due right it's still a you know in roulette, 49%, 49%, and 2% chance of a green. So, you know, there's no guarantee, but that's something to look for, right? Vegas scoring a power play goal, because that changes things entirely for what their odds should be here, right? We're basing a 3-1 to one series that's getting 67% of high danger chances, 5-on-5, five five. you know, we're basing odds on all of that. We haven't, we're not even factoring in that they have yet to score a power play goal and they are well overdue. So for me, this is the most juice I'm going to lay at any point in the NHL playoffs on a money line or total or frankly anything that isn't a plus one and a half. Vegas minus 190 is actually a play for me for them to close it out. And that might not sound like crazy. That might, oh, you're, you know, you're betting that the team closes out a, a team that they're much better than. I'm sure everybody out there thinks Vegas is going to win this game. But there's a lot of games that everybody thinks are going to, you know, win. And A, they don't necessarily do it. And B, they're often not of any kind of value from a money line standpoint. So that's a play for me for Vegas. So we actually have three plays today. Montreal plus 120, Dallas minus 115. Assuming that Kachuk is out again in that lineup. Nothing for Washington and New York. And the minus 190 on the Vegas Chicago. You might be wondering, are we not playing the under six? They have caught on to us. The under six is no longer a minus 105, even an even money. It's now heavily juiced on the under six. And now, you know, you have to then deal with sort of a plus money five and a half. So we're very much sort of in the 5.75 type of a range in that you have to pay one way or another, either in half a goal or in some juice. So that's the story for the NHL. Um, before we get to Tuesdays with Ted, we do want to quickly talk about baseball yesterday. Complete split right down the middle, but another sort of bankroll management issue that sort of needs to be reminded or talked about uh went three and three on the games right but two of them were part of a money line parlay and the money line parlay was plus 159 and so if you just flat bet a unit across the board you would have actually lost money but if we're betting on these parlays for me i need to make two units on a money line parlay i need to i need that to equal out to two losses on underdogs, right? So we lost on Detroit and we lost on Baltimore. Neither of them were particularly close, so that sucks. But you know what weren't particularly close? The Yankees and the Twins either. 
they won comfortably. And so I need to put up enough in this money line parlay. So when you're doing your own money line parlays, right? Again, don't go crazy with them, but you know, two games in baseball here and there, right? If you're getting plus 160, then instead of one flat unit, let's go to 1.25 units, right? And that will juice it up so the you'll get to a point where you are winning two units back. So as long as that comes through, you can afford to lose two of your underdog shots. So in that case, this is Detroit and Baltimore, and that's left essentially us with Colorado and Houston and Arizona and Oakland, both one-run games, right? So it kind of could go either way. And Colorado plus 138, given everything that happened in that game, and by everything I just mean Houston gets a two-run early lead, Colorado gets a you know one run back, and it's two to one as we head into the bullpens. And given everything we know about the Houston bullpen right now and that Colorado has been much better than we expected, I would have been fine with, you know, four to five innings, you know, four innings of being down one against the Houston bullpen, right? Would I have preferred them to not give up the two-run first inning? Sure, but if you had told me Houston's only going to score two runs in this game, I'd have bet that plus 138 over and over and over and over again, right? As for Arizona, they go up 3 nothing and they get a ridiculous classic A's voodoo comeback where the shortstop Ahmed for Arizona drops a pop fly for a tie, for the tying run. Fortunately, Arizona gets the walk-off win in the ninth. Uh, the interesting part here, of course, is, you know, we made this bet at plus 101. You know, it was 105 and it was sort of moving quick. And as we talked about to start the show, favorites were 20 and 1 and that includes Arizona meaning that Arizona was bet all the way from a underdog of about plus 105 all the way around to being a favorite in that game right so that shows you sort of what the market thinks of Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks and so long story short is we end up breaking even across the board there small loss if you didn't quite manage the bankroll super correctly when it comes to the uh, parlay um, as for Tuesday's baseball action, there's nothing any that jumps out to me right now. I'm going to get into it a little bit, and I will post anything that I do there on Twitter. You've got your NBA plays. you got your NHL stuff. So we are all set, and it's time to talk to Ted. It's Tuesdays with Ted. And here he is, our boy, Ted Ballantyne. How are you on this? Let's pretend it's Tuesday. <laughs> Rusty, I, I'm fantastic on this wonderful beautiful tuesday i will confess to you just as we get going i have been on a family vacation and i am woefully unprepared more unprepared than usual so i'm just gonna let you take us where you take us well that's really disappointing because i was going to start this by telling you i've never been <laughs> less prepared for a segment in my entire life and literally like i haven't been doing this whole thing this this long but my greatest compliment in doing this is that over and over, um, after doing the podcast with Chad Millman back a couple months ago, he kept saying how prepared I was and how impressed he was with how prepared I was, like publicly on Twitter. And I'm like, oh my God, that's such an amazing compliment from a guy, you know what I mean? Who's, you know, obviously had a pretty awesome career and that sort of thing. And so now it's just gotten to a point where, no offense, I just, like, I've never been, this podcast has never been worse produced than it is uh, here today. And <laughs> No, it's because it's because you've mastered it. That's it. You've gotten to the point. Yeah, I, sure. I remember having a conversation with you. It was it was a gig that you used to do that you did for a little bit, and you were just telling me it was it was one of the reasons that I wouldn't say you were disenchanted with it, but when you do a gig for a few years, it's sometimes 
uh, time to try new things and you're like i could go in there and be half asleep and and i could get this thing done and oh, now 100%. this is close to where you are in the podcast world i love it baby well uh, yeah and i'll you know you were sort of vague there but i'll clarify and it's not really clarifying because it was literally every gig i ever had at the <laughs> national sports network that you and i both used to work at is after a couple of years yeah you, i literally show up half asleep and get it done and these were jobs that were difficult for people who don't do them every day and so when you do something it doesn't kind of you know i shouldn't say it doesn't matter how hard the job is because i mean surgeon i'm sure probably has to still be super locked in but you know for most people if they do their job it becomes really really easy and that was just the circumstance there and i don't think that's what's going on right now i just think uh we both relied on each other to have some decent content for the other one and now we're just going to kind of hope for the best Hey, listen, um, if you want to break down uh, like what kind of poses a four-year-old can do in the water of Lake Huron, I can, I can do that. This is, this has been my week, but no, let's do it. I, you know, I can follow you wherever we go, even if it's nowhere. Okay. So how much sports have you watched in the last two weeks? Cause by the way, we missed Tuesdays with Ted last week because we had Tuesday with Chris Abbott from cool bat to do our oh God. Uh, pre first round NHL preview, not to be confused with our pre playoff preview from, you know, a couple of weeks before that. So did you, did you miss being on the show? You know what? I honestly did. I've enjoyed it so far. Like I know what I get pleasure out of is I know that right now, well, they're probably not listening right now because as soon as you gave me my intro, there's people out there just pressing the forward 15 second button 30 times, just waiting until you get back to breaking down New Mexico state futures and wondering <laughs> what is this guy doing on the pod? Man, and I tell you what, if we could get, if we could get to a point where I could break down New Mexico state futures with confidence in that any team from New Mexico state or any college was actually <laughs> going to be involved. Yeah. That would be incredible. I have so, well, I shouldn't say I have so much free time because I have literally no free time because of all the hockey and the basketball and the golf and the baseball. But, you know, in a way, as much as I'm super bummed out about college football and it's inevitable, probable demise here, it is like I keep forgetting that it's mid-August right now, and I don't think I'm alone in society in that way. And I would be so far behind, and I guess you know technically am so far behind in college football prep that it's ridiculous. And so like relief isn't the right word because I would kill, like I would actually kill a human being for college football to like be still you know in the mix and maybe it is and maybe it's a smaller version and i can sort of catch up at that point um but yeah so i do i do know, enjoy it because usually you're sitting there wondering maybe oh is he going to be the quarterback and now you're sitting there thinking is that going to be a conference yeah is that going to be a conference is that going to be a position is that going to be a sport um but that's a bummer and this is a positive vibes only podcast oh my so god oh skip, i'm totally bringing uh, you down but i delight in the misery and i need to i really need to recalibrate <laughs> we skip by that we've got hockey we've got nba that's all well in. can i tell you Go what ahead. happened to me with hockey okay so this is sure. one of the last things i was really paying attention to um by accident of course because uh, living where we live, uh, you know, there's a gigantic third quarter comeback going on by the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you're just not going to be able to avoid it no matter what happens. And I tune in at the right time, 
and I see them score three goals, and this is the game four of their five game kind of um, what would you call a qualifying series? Is this yeah. what we were calling it? And yeah. so it was uh, it was actually very fantastic. Of course, in classic hockey fashion, there's no such thing as momentum or anything. They just lose the next game. Spoiler alert! Right. If anyone's still on CVR, but. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, so and then they get and it's fun and I'm watching they get to overtime and I know most the hockey fans out there I, I would like to think almost all are like overtime awesome playoff overtime the best thing in sports and I just I'm so full of dread because it just gives me so much anxiety not knowing when this is going to be over. Like how, how, oh, from, long, not how it ends, but when it ends. When, like, oh, do I commit to watching this overtime? And like, what if, it, what was that? Was there, there was a game of five overtimes. Oh, I, so you're Mike Milbury. So this is what you missed. So in that five overtime game, Mike Milbury just blew up the internet when on the broadcast, he started talking about how he wishes that they would end these games sooner. As in, like, after two or three overtimes, go to, like, a shootout or three-on-three, three, whatever gimmick, you know, is sort of up for grabs. Yeah, at, I imagine back in, point. back in his day, he's a, between hitting people with shoes. He's out there, like, <laughs> popping sudafeds between overtime periods, just yeah. trying to get through. He's probably thinking what these poor players are going through. Don't even the, get silence, the silence of the other two guys on the broadcast when he kept talking about it. <laughs> it was hilarious because they're like... This is kind of the best part of the entire sport. Yeah, yeah. This is right? where we all wait months for this, and then you That's got the- dude who's equivalent to me just sitting there being like, "Oh my god, I want to go home. When am I going to go home? I got an hour left on my street parking. Like, what's happening yeah. here?" It's the only thing attracting people who aren't hardcore hockey fans, right? Like, you could put Connor McDavid in a tutu and have him twirling through people constantly. And that was still wouldn't get the headline versus a five overtime hockey game that, by the way, started in the middle after you know in the middle of the afternoon. So it's not like people were staying up late. And so, in the middle of the afternoon, um, it's good to see that he has one one person in his camp, you, as the guy just going like, ah, "That's right. We, sh- we should really pack this in pretty quick." I confess, I don't, I don't like my allies in this situation. <laughs> yeah, and and in fairness, you know, you did say that the Leaf game was in the third quarter and not the third period. So you might not also be, you know, Did Mr. I really? Hockey, Mr. <laughs> Hockey when it comes to all of this, this type of thing. Um, so shifting, shifting gears as far as we can away from the ice, um, I did think my one bit of production, my producing and my sort of planning for all of this is that because it's Tuesday and we have four new series, I was going to sort of say, let's do the second half, so to speak, of the playoff preview with you and Love just it. start going through the series that we have. Because on Monday we had, you know, obviously the Raptors would be a hot topic, except for the fact that that's a foregone conclusion series and who really cares. And, you know, the Denver-Utah game was an extremely interesting game. But Oh, you know, I love that game. And it was just the irritating situation where I was in on Utah plus four and a half. Me and I too. just wanted Jokic to make that last shot. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have a horse in the race. Let's, and let's how, finish this have, off in regulation. And have you heard about the, you know, you saw the eight second call from a little bit earlier in that game. Yeah. That, yeah. And where it was like Jokic knocked the ball out of bounds or like knocked it away from the inbounder and took the two seconds off the clock. So that's what screwed them all up because the shot clock didn't reset after Jokic had sort of knocked the ball away. And so it wasn't even really eight seconds where it, 
you know, the Jazz actually had a chance to get the ball over. It was really only about six seconds. So all of these, you know, factors into, you know, obviously the fact that that game went uh, past regulation. And I had the, I had, I did the rare double result where I had the over and I had plus the points and we got the over well in regulation. So that wasn't, you know, I didn't even need the overtime. And I actually cited in the show on Monday that, you know, oh, this game could go to overtime. So that's always nice, sort of a backup plan for the over. Didn't even need it in this case, right? The one time where, you know, an, you know going to overtime doesn't help you in any way, shape or form yeah, with, that's right. uh, with the total because that's already cashed. And then inevitable, you know, having pe- sort of pegged both results, right? Obviously, a tie game through regulation means you probably were on the right side with, uh, with the underdog at plus four and a half. So, yeah, you and I weren't the only ones who got smoked by that. Of course, obviously, you know, the voices come up on Twitter about how that was, you know, a bad beat and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, we sort of trek on. Um, so we do have four new series. Can I just I tell you my other takeaway from the Nuggets game? I have oh, to. Oh, sure. Do so it. Jamal Murray. I didn't know that you could have more than one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Multiple, multiple, multiple. It doesn't even have to do with Jokic's new body, which the world's still all <laughs> rage about. Um, <laughs> Jamal Murray is from my hometown. No, oh, And you when I see an NBA player... Yeah, yeah, you should have brought that up. I would, I would yeah, come on, again, let's, let's host the show, Rusty. Not, not great. <laughs> so Joel Murray's from my hometown, and for an NBA player to be from my hometown, it's like, oh, well, how, how is this guy from my hometown? But right. you know what it takes to change my initial thought when I see him, my word association when I see him from, wow, this guy's from my hometown? It takes one hell of an Instagram video. And congratulations, okay. Jamal Murray. I had a feeling that might, that might be where we're going. I'm just saying, you flipped the script on me, and uh, it's, you know, you associate different things <laughs> and he's, he's no longer Kitchener, Ontario. So he is Instagrams, Jamal Murray. Yeah. I think that somehow is an unanswerable question. Somehow, Hell of a game. Kid. That's right. That That's wasn't, right. that wasn't really an answer. <laughs> um, all right. Moving forward to Tuesday's action, Milwaukee uh, up first. Will you be betting on that game? Yeah, you are. Okay. Yeah, you I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go chalk the whole way with this, with the, yeah, with the bucks in the, the first round. It's, um, which, you know, it's classical, classical NBA first round. So in the first round is always, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the word boring, but mm, yeah, often it's boring. boring. This one we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like this one has potential to be the least boring and you're going to get to that series soon enough. Um, but sure. yeah, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go chalky bucks the whole way, probably. Okay, fair enough. Um, as for like the Milwaukee, like what is your level of confidence in Milwaukee making the finals? You know what? Honestly, just, I just like when you watch the Bucks, and they're one of those teams that, well, it's a lot of NBA teams are like this, but when they're playing bad, they're like a polar opposite of when they're playing good. Cause when they're good, like it just looks like their whole defense is just arms. It's yeah. everywhere. It's just Link. arms. And you, you can't think of what a team's going to possibly do to get around that. Um, right. Uh, Nick Nurse in Toronto figured it out last year. I'm sure it was a little bit of one team playing bad and one team playing good. But if they're like that, just the, to 50% of their capabilities, I really don't see how uh, they breeze to the Eastern Conference Finals, obviously. And then I guess Toronto and Boston could give them problems. And obviously Philadelphia, who knows? But yeah. Well, you know, yeah, this whole I, Philadelphia-Boston series in and of itself is is it leaves a you know, obviously a huge question mark, you know, from that sort of route to the to the finals. 
I just I don't want to believe that Milwaukee's going to go to the finals, but I don't have a team. I don't have another option, right? I, like I was trying as hard as I could to sort of make cases in a way in my own head for some of these other teams, especially in the East. Like in the West, you can kind of make more of a case for it, but in the East, it just, you know, as much as I want to say, you know, the Raptors, and I sort of said, if there was a dark horse, it's the second seed in the East, right? So that's not exactly dark horse level action here. So um, yeah, I just kind of, you know, I guess, I guess we're sort of just probably going to hopefully maybe get one of those one of those you know what happens games. with Milwaukee? Like Milwaukee, like last year, like say say they do lose, yeah. you, you look back and you're like, God, it's a team. It's a team with one star who is absolutely spectacular, but in many ways limited, and uh, then a good supporting cast and, and a couple borderline stars with them. And basketball is this game of stars. And mm-hmm. when they lose, you're like, Oh my God, how did we not see it coming? Where this is one where I'm I'm nothing. My word means anything. I'm willing to say I don't see them losing. Yeah. So all in all, not that exciting to talk about the Milwaukee uh, Bucks just yet. That said, I do have an unanswerable question that I'm looking to just interject into the Milwaukee Bucks conversation. You ready for this? Does COVID-19 impact positively the Raptors' chance of landing Giannis Antetokounmpo when he becomes a free agent? Or obviously, maybe even before that, should there be some sort of like, you know, he's leaving, we have to make a trade type of thing. Um, the, the and Canada's thing... a, and Canada's ability to sort of quell the virus versus. Oh, know. I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I think that's a certain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. He's uh, looking, he's looking like his country's burning, and there's one that's <laughs> not burning right next door. I, I think that's pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah, burning's probably a stretch, but you know, give it a few months, and we'll see what happens with this election. It's so, wheezing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely wheezing. Um, all right, so. Yes, you've answered an unanswerable question there. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, the lamest series in the East, Miami and Indiana. I want to, for all, you know, for all my might, I'd love to go with the Pacers here. I'd love this to be sort of the underdog play. They certainly have enough guys who, if they're healthy and are going, especially with the, you know, sort of, emergence of my man tj warren uh formerly of the nc state wolf pack who would just throw 30 point games on people left right and center in college but everybody felt like he was too slow and not big enough and and all of that kind of thing which for a college basketball fan like myself is like you might as well just poke me in the rib cage with a stick because it's like this guy gets buckets and i don't care like what league he's going into he's a guy who's going to be getting buckets and he was basically given away by the Suns to the pacers so i want to believe that like this one's for college basketball type of thing right like he's doing it for us by you know still being good in the playoffs do you think this was just a bubble thing him being well, awesome you know what I would usually think no. I think he's the type of guy that comes out and averages nineteen twenty a year next year. But it's just he has this little uh, little brewing feud with Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah, and you love a brewing feud. And and Jimmy Butler, uh, he's one of these guys with this kind of phony myth around him, and he loves it. You know he loves yeah. it. So yeah. I, I don't know how much more motivated someone can be than regular when they're playing playoff ball. But Jimmy can Butler's you... going to go out of his way to make sure that this dude's not out there, you know, averaging 40 a night. And I don't see the Pacers winning the series. I think it would be fun if they did. But uh, I think Miami's going to get by them. 
Yeah, you're probably right. Can you be a badass if you went to Marquette? Is that <laughs> is that a thing? You know, the thing is, if you spell it Marquette, M-A-R-K-E-T-T-E, then it's a little more badassery. That's you put that true. QE in there, well, you know, the all of a sudden, as it's a little flourish, and it's too much of a flourish, and God, maybe, that's, maybe that is what Jimmy Butler has been battling his whole career. Yeah, it's like you went to a, pl- a school that, you know, ends in E-T-T, E-T-T-E, and <laughs> is in Wisconsin. So it's like, well, how much, how hard could you really possibly be? It's the Smurfette of schools. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him. Let's not kid ourselves here. Like, I don't. I don't want a piece of Jimmy Butler. But you know, this is all relative, right? So you know, I think T.J. Warren's a hard dude. Um, okay, so that's fair. I mean, it, that number's up to plus two sixty on the series, and it's probably going to sucker me into a small bet. Um, I think OKC, it's good, by the way. I support that. OKC and Houston. Fun. Fun. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, the Chris Paul like going against Houston, Russell Westbrook, et cetera. If he, assuming he plays, you know, the majority or at least a portion of that series, come crunch time, um, what do we expect out of James Harden, uh, a guy who I swore off betting on? Was that two years ago when they had the lead and they had the home game against the Spurs to close it out, and he couldn't, you know, they couldn't get it done against like a Spurs team that was lit, like super decrepit had like two or three guys injured it was really one of the like most pathetic efforts in like playoff recent playoff history uh so i'm automatically like going with okc here your thoughts um well my question is what's what's steven adams status right now is he is he gonna be running around out there well he's like like healthy whether he's sort of a great person to have in the series where Houston's biggest guy is going to be what six seven six six. Uh, right, I was six, just going to say, like, no one man is ever going to look so fantastically huge plodding around out there on the court as Stephen Adams in this series. Isn't he's going to be a like max. It's going to be right max guy. Like he's like he isn't he like a pretty close to max contract. He makes player? a lot of money, and I think it's like I think each team is going to try to impose their style on the other. I bet he's out there um, at, at hmm. least in the first game or two playing some minutes and the thing about Houston is God it's I don't know it's tough for me to say because their whole system is kind of based on forcing teams to play ways that they don't want to play but Oklahoma City plays about as small as anyone yeah Um, you know besides him at center so like if you you, it's just it's Houston can't really outskill those guards no no you didn't think so I'm just hoping not to see the like like mouthing the words I can't play bleeping Adams, right? That was that the Cantor one from a couple of years ago, you know, where it's just, I can't, I mean, we can't play Cantor. And it's just like the most clear as day a reading of the lips you could possibly have. And but Steven Adams can, he can, he can guard. Like, what are you going to do? Every, everyone just leaves Tucker open to shoot threes anyways. Like he, he can, he can do that as well as anyone else. That's true. Yeah. He can step away from and, and let him sort of just bomb away all he likes, I suppose. Yeah. It should be interesting. A little bit surprising that Oklahoma city actually is favored, which sort of tells me that, you it's know, a reputation favorite though, isn't it? Well, I was going to say that like people are onto us or on, you know, onto the scene, right? Like normally even with Westbrook being out, I would think that Houston would get, the benefit of the doubt and at least be a couple point favorite in the first game. And of course the odd circumstance where Oklahoma city is minus one and a half in the first game, 
but the underdog at plus 130 for the series. Which I don't understand how that makes any Which sense. Which doesn't really – the only sense it makes is if you just assume that Westbrook, Westbrook is comes coming back. Is back. that it? Yeah. And you know what I mean? And then so that sort of pivots the entire series towards Houston. But because, he, you know, he's not going to play, then that – obviously you give, you know, OKC the lean on that. That being said, like the number's gotten away from me from a series price standpoint because that opened at like 214. And I saw it, and I didn't jump on it because, again, like you're busy just betting on everything else. And sort of you also kind of wait to see what other books open it at to see if you get a better price, and that's super greedy, but that's whatever. That's what we're doing do out you, here sometimes. Do you care about James Harden's, like, playoff reputation? I, like, in what way? Like, from a, like, a handicapping standpoint? I yeah, wouldn't, just... except for, like, I just can't do it anymore from, like, a faith in him standpoint. Yeah, he's he is kind of at the at the you know show me point. Yeah, like let's, and I let's would say like on this... the other end of that, the other side of the show me point. Like I just that's why like that was so scarring to me where he ju- like he and that team just completely blew it in that series with the Spurs a couple of years ago. Where I was just like, all right, no, we're we we're all set. I'm all set with this guy now. You know, people allege that he's playing better defense and all of that kind of thing. Sure. Sure. Maybe. I don't, you know, I don't know. Whatever. So, yeah, OKC will be a play for me in that game, but I can't bet the series because the number just came all the way down uh, in that one. And then we've got, and this is the one that this, all of this other nonsense was just gibberish so that we could get to the big boy. And somehow the 1 8 series in any NBA playoff, which, you know, is never all that interesting, is somehow the most interesting. The most interesting. Right, Portland and the Lakers. So, you, give me your take on the Portland Trailblazers and the chances of them knocking off the Lakers. Well, what's what's the line at right now for the series? Well, so what do you think the line is? Let's you know we used to do this a little bit more, but this one's sort of fun. Like, what what would it take for you to bet the Blazers to win the series? Well, I would just think that the Blazers, riding so much momentum, have. I would guess that they're down to around maybe plus 180 or so. No, which... it's, it's still – it's plus 400. Is, is sort it of really? The most. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. there's my yeah. handicapping. Right. So, it, yeah, it didn't get so crazy. But the point I think you know, that you're sort of getting to is that, like, everybody's all about the blazies. In well, yeah, I would have thought – what I was trying to say is that I would think there would be less value than there probably should be. Right. And I If think... the series was in a vacuum. Yes. And so when you look at sort of these other one eight two seven series and, you know, the Toronto and Brooklyn and the Orlando, um, Milwaukee and even the Clippers and the Mavericks. Right. It's like somehow the Blazers are so much, you know, you know lower odds than. Yeah, it's fair. Those what did four. I see? Were the Raps at like minus 10,000 or something like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, you've got the Magic, who are literally available at 25 to 1 to knock off the Bucks, right? Which at that point is essentially you're betting that Giannis gets hurt, right? Like, there is a point where you can bet on the Magic, but you're literally just saying to the world, I'm betting on an injury from, you know, or even some sort of crazy suspension, maybe just starts, you know, headbutting people more and more and more. Um, you know, he goes nuts. 
But like that's what you're betting on. You're betting on you need the Bucks to literally be without Giannis for that to be yeah. the case. Now the Blazers, of course, obviously reputation wise, are you know so much you know held in such higher regard than those other seven eight type teams. But the reality is, we just watched this where Memphis should have beat them in that first play-in game. Who knows what would have happened in the second one? Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, who we just saw get wailed on by the Raptors, right, should have beat them in a game that Portland absolutely had to have. And every other Portland game, it felt like, was either a win when, you know, Kawhi Leonard didn't play or, you know, some other superstar didn't bother to show up or, like, literally went won the game by two or three points, right? So it's not even like the Suns where... You know, the Suns obviously don't have the reputation that the, and history that the Blazers have, but at least they were trucking teams down the stretch, right, to go on their 8-0 bubble thing. And by the way, hilarious that a team went 8-0 and didn't even make it the play-in game. It's like, oh, thank you for coming, though. Yeah, thank you guys why, for coming. Why were you even invited? Um, <laughs> you know, and obviously I understand the circumstance, like the other teams, well, and how far back they were, like, I get it. But it is funny, like, that's how wide, like, this swath that they cut to allow some of these teams in. Um, so, yeah, so it's like, and listen, I'm saying this as somebody who made an 80 to 1 Blazers for the Western Conference bet before the bubble even started. Because I'm like looking at the board going, what, you know, how are these numbers going to change between now and the actual playoffs starting and i'm like the only one that would change right because i'm like if memphis gets the eight seed like it's not changing their astronomical number that they have pre-bubble right i'm like the only thing that's going to change is if the blazers a fully healthy squad here show out and make the eight seed and people start talking themselves into them well sure enough that's exactly what happened and now they're down to like what 30 to 1 and you know whatever but the problem is we've actually watched the Blazers and watched them be atrocious on defense, not be able to separate from some of the worst teams in this tournament. And by the way, like CJ McCollum has a broken back. So it's not even like they're fully, fully healthy. And now I'm going to need them to beat LeBron. Like LeBron's going to exit in the first round all of a sudden. Like that's not something LeBron does, even with some of the, crappiest teams he's ever had yeah i think you make a good point because on one hand you'll have people say oh well you know what it's the same team that made the western conference finals last year but your point's good that it's you know they haven't been steamrolling yeah like no like listen games like it's it's, the names on the jerseys are all are all you know good enough for me and but like we just it's not like we didn't and that's why i made the bet right before we saw them actually play and listen, I'm thrilled that the bet is so far working out as best as it possibly can, right? Like we can't, we literally can't ask for anything more at this point because the best they were ever going to do was get that eighth seed. But like, you also sort of have to be realistic about things and go like, you know, while we made this bet two and a half weeks ago, it's looked, you know, it's great the result, but like, 
if we're being honest with ourselves, this team can't stop a nosebleed. No, and and they've got two of the best offensive players of like all time, basically, in Davis and and LeBron, that they were going to have to slow down somehow without any sort of defensive stopper guy, right? Like there's nobody on that team. You go like, oh, we could put him on. Like who's going to guard him? Carmelo? Like that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, you're right because it's you know scratching and clawing against all these you know not great teams doesn't bode well for when you play a good team um it bodes well for the marketing of the team in the hype like the, sure. da- damian lillard having to score 60 points a game is very cool and don't get me wrong Super i will fun. be watching and hoping that this happens the entire time but throwing up these numbers against the teams you're talking about not quite the same as going up against the well, one seed in the west and they lost a game that the clippers were literally throwing Like the Clippers were throwing a game to the Blazers. No Leonard, no George. It literally behooved the Clippers to not win the game. And the five randoms who were out on the court literally beat the Blazers trying their hardest. You know, but Lillard missed some free throws. But that that game at least it at least it sparked some of your NBA fun you've been waiting for. There you go, right? Total and again and you know, again, where was Patrick Beverly on the odds list to be the guy who was right in the mix of a you know bubble kerfuffle? Is there there Beverly prop somewhere? It's it's so like who whose actions are going to spark the most social media posts? Is is this something we can quantify? Only, only in our minds at this point. It's just it's qualitative at this point. Uh, one How about Damian Lillard day. though? He's becoming, um, you know, the 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 Ice Man of the league, I and he performed at the uh, NBA All Star Saturday Night. Quite the year for the guy. And when I mean performed, yeah, like he 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 rapped on stage. It was fantastic. He dropped an album the same day that he went for what was it, sixty one or whatever the point. How many points he had that day? He literally dropped an album that night. Hell of a day. Yeah, huge day. No, I love it. And that's the thing. Like, that's the fun of the whole story, right? Like, it would be a lot more exciting from a wagering standpoint if they had sort of, like I said, pulled a Phoenix Suns and just kind of motored through every, every, every game. But everything was just a complete, like, touch-and-go um, deal every time. And it's just like, you know, I can sort of pretend like the Blazers have a chance here because I made this, you know, great futures bet and found this 80-1. to 1, But, like, it's... You know, I see what I see here. I'm not yeah, it's, either way. So. It's like it's you, you're right. It's all going to kind of come down probably to the same kind of numbers and anticipation that it always does. But it's just the the conversation you get to have about it is one of those exclusive to the NBA conversations, which makes it all worthwhile in the end. Uh, who comes out of the West? Clippers. Clippers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously health and all of that sort of thing, you know, all the caveats that you want to sort of say. Well, I think the Lakers, who knows what kind of condition LeBron's in, right? And he usually can turn it on at this time of year, but, they're, you know, he's not playing that well. They're kind of hiding him a little bit on defense. So it, well, now that could just be because they're, you know, keeping him healthy, or it could just be that, you know, finally the dude that's 6'8", 275, and 35 years old is acting his size and weight and age. And you love this sort of thing here. And so I was talking yesterday about this like media thing where a lot of the sort of insidery type, you know, rumor monger dudes are talking about LeBron, right? And how like they're not they're, something's going on with LeBron, right? And it might not it's not oh, it might not be physical. 
you know, it might not, it might be this or that or whatever, but nobody reports it. Right. Because we never report anything yeah. anymore. Right. We all just talk about how we know something's up and then like, it'll come out eventually. And then all these sort of insider reporter guys who are allegedly supposed to be breaking all these stories, they just end up going like, Oh yeah, no, I knew that. But like, I couldn't say anything. Cause like, blah, blah, blah. Cause I didn't have, you know, you know, it wasn't confirmed and you know, da, 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 da. And it's like, sure. well, Right. It's all these sort of rumor guys that are just sort of talking amongst themselves. But because nobody wants to get in trouble with any of the players, we never get to find this stuff out. Right. And so I just wonder, like, what the deal is with that. But how 2020 and bubble tastic would it be if we got Clippers Raptors? Right. Kawhi against the Raptors after all of that from last year. And it's not in L.A. It's not in Toronto. He never has to come back. Right. And it's in Disney World. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his, the, the, the months of the rumors and eventually following through of wanting to go home. And yeah, he's playing in Disney World. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's awesome. fantastic. Sure. It's, um, it's about as good of a story as you possibly could have. I don't think it would kind of get the steam, um, at least in the U.S. national media, that it probably should. But up in these parts, we'll eat it up. That's for sure. Yeah, well, I, th- I mean, I think, like, just the Kawhi element is, is obviously sort of, again, second to LeBron, like, the most interesting thing. Um, you know, obviously, maybe they'd be bummed out about Giannis not making the finals again. But I think that's a juicy enough, um, you know, a juicy enough matchup. And I was like, maybe I should be putting in, you know, that sort of – I don't know if I've literally ever made a finals matchup bet or any sort of finals matchup parlay. But in 2020 – this is the time that maybe I, I do that. Not that it's going to be some astronomical odds, right? Because the Raptors are like plus 350 and the Clippers are like plus 150. So you just slap those together and it's, you know, um, not even 10 to 1, I don't think. So and maybe if maybe if it happened, looking down the road, hypothetically, like maybe the Raptor players could finally be somewhat honest about how they feel about the whole thing. Because just everyone on both sides has said the right thing. Everyone said, oh, we knew this might be the deal and we support him. And just hopefully someone somewhere along the line will be a little honest and be like, hey, like, come on, what kind of guy leaves a team that wins a championship? <laughs> it, yes. And I, but I also think like that would show on the court, right? Like that would be the most intense. That's, I would hope so. That would, possible. That right? would be the ideal situation for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we all have dreams. Um, so I have uh, I don't really have any unanswerable questions prepared because, again, uh, woefully underproduced this, uh, this I can hit you with a couple. Week. You got some? Oh, look at you. Okay, hit me with it. Now, even though this is on a Tuesday, I and mean, this is news that began on Monday, Sure. first unanswerable Tuesday. question is, um, how did your boy Keyshawn get a four-hour morning show? <laughs> yeah, what? Keyshawn Johnson is hosting... Like what's ESPN's the- new morning show with it's it's a cast of guys and I'm sure it's a great show I don't want to make fun of them but it's just you know it's kind no, of the can't. most coveted time spot in a in sports radio for whatever that's worth and you know Keyshawn Johnson gets the show it was it was just kind of it, the decision was made a while ago but I think it kind of caught everyone out of left field and I haven't seen enough of Keyshawn's work uh, especially on stuff that's not football to say whether or not I like it or not does that mean get up is gone well, get, no, get this up. is the radio show. I think Get Up still exists. Oh, this is the radio show. I right, believe right, right, right. I believe Greenberg and Kellerman are yeah, um, still 
Still now going to be hosting uh, an hour-long radio show after Get Up, which right. will be just overly professional and polished with those guys together. Now, you listen to a fair amount of ESPN radio. Yeah. Um, is there a point where you draw the line about who's actually on the radio station? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's honestly, and it doesn't have to do with who's on it. It's just that, like... That's what I mean. Goodness, we live in this world where we just have so many options for content. And for something to, to kind of break into my podcast rotation, um, to, to bump something like The Window, it's, yeah, it's got to be pretty good. It's got to be a good show. Especially when you're on it occasionally. Um, all right. So that's My fair. second unanswerable we'll question. I am this year ending my long fantasy football sabbatical. Yes. Um, I am joining a league commissioned yeah. by Matt Russell. I'm very that's excited. Right. That's um, right. You sent a beautiful email today, which I will respond to this evening at some point or potentially tomorrow morning. It was fantastic. Yeah. I still can't tell exactly what the league is called, uh, but I love it. But mm-hmm. the question is, the last time I was in a fantasy football league was about 10 years ago, and there was one particular story dominating the headlines. And yeah. 10 years go by, is it still uh, in vogue to create a football team name based on the Minnesota Vikings sex boat scandal? <laughs> um, yes, and here's why. Uh, one, at least three of the 10 teams in the league name, including my own, are references to the FX show The League, which I don't believe has had a new episode for five-some-odd years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we're already sort of behind in that circumstance. Uh, One of the other teams in The League is named Plaxico's Gun, which is, of course, a reference to Plaxico Burris, uh, name from the past, sh- accidentally shooting himself while wearing jogging pants at a nightclub. Wonderful so, story. Yeah, so not a ton of topical references in the uh, in the league here. So if That's you right. wanted There's to a... step it back yeah. a little even further than that. Uh, There's no contemporary expectations. I like it. Yeah, and so sort of the more obscure and the for- and the further back, actually, kind of the more cachet you might have, right? The idea that it isn't, you know, it might need to be explained to people. And I'm, I imagine the word wizenator is probably going to be somehow <laughs> involved in that name. And uh, again, as commissioner, not only do I not veto that name, I wholeheartedly accept any sort of reference to that, and uh, and I'll rubber stamp that. Full support um, from the top brass. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, we're very excited to have you in the league. We're going 10 years now. This is the 10th year of our, uh, our little league. And uh, yeah, we had, to, we had to remove somebody from the league for basically being dormant, uh, <laughs> not showing up to the draft, which is online. So it's not like he even had to be anywhere at a certain period of time. Uh, and yeah, and, and here you are. So that's, uh, that's super exciting. Love for, it. I'm uh, glad to be a part of very cool. Uh, yeah, so that's it. I don't really have anything for you. I've got more saved up for next week, I say, pretending like I have more saved up. Oh, you're, you're writing for, notes uh, down right now. I can tell. Week. I can hear it. Scribbling, scribbling. Oh, you know what? I do have one. I do have one, and, I, and this isn't going to – well, I mean, it could hold to next week, but by then it's going to be super, super uh, dated. Uh, Colin Morikawa wins the PGA Championship. Uh, it's the first major of the year for the first and only time of our lives. Would he have won the Masters if it wasn't for this whole COVID situation and sort of 
sub question number two, if he wouldn't have won the masters, who was going to win the masters who missed out on their masters because of COVID-19. Uh, would he have won the masters is unknown unanswerable. Well, that's yeah. There you go. Thank you. Who had, who would have, and by the way, what's the equivalent green jacket mishap to the top of the trophy falling off? Um, doing it, like a Will Ferrell or Will Ferrell, a, a Chris Farley, uh, fat guy in a little coat. It's a coat. fat guy in a little coat, a rip in the back. Yeah, no, yeah, that's absolutely. tremendous. That's <laughs> one day we could possibly get that. But unfortunately, golf these days, there's nobody like that who could possibly, you know. I mean, I guess Bryson, that's really maybe what we missed out on, right? Bryson winning the Masters and um, then just ripping the, the, just the green jacket. In, because incredible hulking through the yeah. jacket. Well, there you go. That's the answer. Yeah. No, we missed it. Yeah. And that's exactly what would have happened. And we all missed out on it. Oh, pandemic. Come on. Yeah. See, we're letting the terrorists win. All right, buddy. That's Tuesdays with Ted. Thanks, man. Have a good one. So that's it for me. I'm at MRussAuthentic on Twitter. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Until next time, I'll see you at the window.